Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 179 of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. Uh, it's Tuesday. I'm a day early, uh, but fuck it, you know, let's do this. Trying to get these out evenly spaced now. Three days in between each episode, you know? Try and keep a balance. So, uh, you know, that way that way the, the show doesn't drop out of the top 80 or whatever. Like, it's, at the moment, it's proper ping-ponging. You know, like, one minute is number 11... Oh, wow. And then, you know, next minute's down to number 98. Then it's back up to number 22. Oh, shit. Next minute's dropped down to number 70. I'm just trying to be smart about this, guys. Keep it consistent. And so, yeah, you've uh, you got me a day early. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, exciting news for listeners and Patreons alike. Uh, something is happening in London. On Thursday, the 28th of September. So if you've listened to a few of these episodes, you know, maybe you're getting into it. You're like, you know, I'm feeling this, Aid. I'm liking this. I like your steez. I like how I like how I, I start listening in a relatively good mood. And then by the end of it, you've got me sobbing at the hopeless state of humanity. Like if that if that's you, something, an event of sorts, is going to take place on Thursday, the 28th of September in london lock that date in your head 28th of september and you know you're not going to know what it is yet for a bit unless you go onto patreon of course and you know the discord chat for patreons where i've i've already talked about it in there but uh but yeah like i don't know keep that date free and get your fingers at the ready because once i unleash the details so i published the ticket link it will sell out so there you go there's your warning don't miss out like you miss out on everything. Um, what else is going on podcast related? I, I had a great chat with uh, Josh Hamilton the other night on uh, Friday night guest show. Half past seven. I always stream. Um, if you're a politics nerd, he's the author of Brexit, the Establishment Civil War. It's a, it's a book. You can find it on Amazon. Um, he's also the host of the Chatter podcast. And we spent an hour in each other's company. We had a beer. We talked about Labour, about what happened to Corbyn, about whether Josh himself can see happier days ahead. And uh, like, honestly, my, my Patreons, I don't want to big myself up too much because it, you know, it feels kind of gross. But my Patreons were saying, you know, that was a great fucking episode, man. Um, got a couple of DMs from people. So if you're really into the politicky side of things, as opposed to just, you know, me piss taking and the sarcastic ranty stuff, then... I don't know. Check out episode uh, 178 with uh, Josh Hamilton. Um, right. So what's what's going on, man? What's happening? What can we talk about, guys? Uh, what happened yesterday? Rachel Reeves got in some shit yesterday, right? Like for, for flying first class, which is obviously ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, like, not the fact that she flew first class. Like, I, don't, I don't give a shit about that. Like, I've flown long haul economy with toddlers twice. So if you ever want someone to cheer you on while you treat yourself to business class, I'm your man. <laughs> Whatever your situation, you've earned it. Fuck economy. And this was, of course, you know, straight off the back of Braverman getting accused of asking civil servants to help her get out of that publicly attended speed awareness course, which I think, you know, those two stories, they tell you so much about the UK media landscape, you know, the inherent bias. Because here you have the Home Secretary, literally the boss of laws, and she's trying to find ways for her, you know, arguably to escape her own laws and protocols to make them not apply to her. 
while also breaking the ministerial code. And it is breaking the ministerial code. Don't even start with that shit. So here you have the Home Secretary breaking laws and trying to wriggle out of shit. And that's just, oh, that, that's a Westminster bubble story. You know, Richard Littlejohn was in the mail yesterday going, oh, what's the big deal? You know, nobody died. It's not a big deal. So, so that doesn't matter. The Queen of Laws, basically, not obeying laws and breaching the ministerial code. That's just a storm in the keeper. But a Labour politician flying business class <laughs> is more of an outrage. Like, which one of those politicians is a more detached hypocrite, in your opinion? It's a tricky one. I was on Twitter, there was loads of people. Oh, Reeves is a hypocrite. They scream and hate wank. While fucking, you know, dismissing the law-breaking police boss as a nothing story. So, yeah, yesterday was fun. Uh, what, what else has been in the news? Uh, mortgages went up again last week. Uh, obviously, that is fantastic news. Really, really fucking top job, guys. Great job there. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast or, um, or or follows me on the socials will know that this this is a personal love of mine. I I love to see a bit of human ingenuity at the Bank of England. I really do. You know, for the for the thirteenth time, is it now? I think I'm love loving the tenacity there. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's going to work this time. What the fuck are you doing? 13th attempt at curbing inflation by raising mortgages and rents. So on the off chance that you are, you know, new to the show and you haven't heard me rant about this, my outgoings will double from August. Our mortgage is going from £900 a month to £2,000. £2,000 a month. We're like, you know, fuck, 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 fuck. Christ, we are broke. We, what, what can we sell? Can we, should, should we sell the youngest white blonde baby on the black market so we can still afford the other one? Is, is that how we do this? Like, I mean, I'm thinking outside the box here. I'm just saying we have options, sweetheart. Why, why are you packing a suitcase? Where, where the fuck are you going? You know, £900 to two grand. A month cleaning me out because the Bank of England want to encourage me to save some money. <laughs> Mr. Thompson, we're, we're, we're going to make your mortgage unaffordably expensive. You're, you're going to do what? Uh, yeah, it's to encourage you to save money. You, you think you're going to encourage me to save money by robbing me of literally all my money? Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, this feels a little bit like... You know, like um, back in the day when your parents wanted you to, to not smoke, so they would try to teach you a lesson. <laughs> Somebody's dad like, smoking will give you cancer, boy. So now, now to teach you a lesson, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to make you smoke all 5,480 of this here cigarette. Like, dad, it's fine. It's, I'll just stop. I, like, I get the point. Nope. You're going to smoke every single one of these 5,000 cigarettes and, and eat this processed meat and eat this goddamn asbestos sandwich that I made. You know, it's, it's like, you know, fighting fire with fire. A bit too much. So, yeah, good old Bank of England. We are hiking mortgages again to fight inflation 
and to encourage consumers to save. Like, whenever they say that shit, I'm always like, that is like saying, if you kids don't stop spending all your money, I might have to fuck around and spend all of your money. You've got to learn, you fucking idiot, you know? It's very nanny state, I think. And you know what? The fucking... <laughs> the libertarians who endlessly bang on about the nanny state, interfering, state overreach, all of that. You know what? Noticeably absent in this intervention, I see. So, yeah. I'm currently applying for my mortgage with all the excitement of a child choosing the stick he's about to get beaten with. Shit is going to get hard. Time for some of you motherfuckers to jump on the Patreon, I think. <laughs> or, or buy a t-shirt. Help, help me out. I don't know about you guys, right? But like, do you ever like look at these mortgage rates, you know? And then like I look at the rates, I look at my salary and I look at the outgoings and the kids and the childcare bill. And I, you know, I try to make it stack up. I try to make it balance. And I look at what we have to cut back on and what we'll have to get rid of. And like, I don't know about you guys, but does anyone else look at all that stuff and then sit back and go, wow, you know, thank God I didn't ask for that pay rise. I mean, I'm, oh, that, that could have, things could have gone awry had I asked for that. Like, thank God I didn't ask for the salary increase, just like they told me I shouldn't, lest inflation might, might have got really bad. So, yeah, there's that. Broke. If you see an event, um, if you see an event getting promoted sometime soon, like, you know, A Thompson live and tickets are only £713 each. Like, you then you know what's up, right? You know how we've arrived at that. Like, people are going to be like, people are going to see the advert for that and they're going to go, wow, he's got really big, hasn't he? Because, you know, the tickets are mad expensive. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm, I'm not successful. I'm actually the total opposite. I'm fucking broke now. It's like, you know, horseshoe politics, you know, where like the far left eventually becomes the far right because, you know, the bottom of the horseshoe is kind of close to get it. Like, well, this is it's like that. It's like horseshoe fiscal success and failure or, you know, where I'm just that fucked that the ticket prices have to skyrocket. Wow, he must be really successful if his tickets cost £113 each. Uh, not really. Not so much. Anyway, enough of my fucking belly aching about that stuff. Um, you know, I have to, I've got to tell myself, there, there are people who have it way worse out there, aren't there? You've got to have some perspective. There's people out there who have it way worse than you, Aid. You know, some people don't have a car. They have to walk three miles to work every day and back. And, you know, it's probably some guy in fucking, you know, Devon, whose job is literally to scrub away algae off rental boats that barely get used. You know, like just hard manual labor jobs on minimum wage, just shitty, you know. But it's like it's like my dad said to me once, you know, I was I was complaining about our bathroom. It needs replastering. And it's like water damage and shit. I was moaning about it. And, and then I sort of shut myself off. I was like, but you know what? You know, there's people who have it worse than us. So I guess I should just fuck it. And he was like, yeah, that's true. But the problem with thinking like that is then you spend your entire life feeling bad 
about some imaginary guy who doesn't exist instead of fixing your fucking bathroom, you daft cunt. It's like, it's difficult to argue with that, you know? Anyway, so, what's in the news? What else has been happening? Guys, Dominic Raab has just said he won't be standing as an MP in the next general election. That's a pretty big story. Dominic Raab stepping down. No more Raab. It's looking like, you know, his flimsy majority is is the problem for him. Because I think, like, at the last general election, it was only a 2,000 majority, you know? It's, it's somewhere around here also. Plus, since the local elections, obviously, you know, tactical voting has become more of a thing. And that could make a, you know, traditional, a relative uncertainty for him into an almost cast iron solid bet that he would be ejected from that constituency. So, yeah, Dom is going. And I have to say, guys, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, like, if if you guys want some snowflakey, always offended, easily hurt middle manager running a, you know, a key office of state, then fine. You know, if you want an HR manager, if you want some diversity aware, corn burger chomping, trembling at responsibility team leader running the judiciary or, or the foreign office, fine. But I always thought, you know, if you really want a foreign secretary who delivers, guys... If you want someone who gets results, well, this, this is a sad, dark day for us all, you know? I mean, yes, he was a bit of a ball buster. Yes, there were allegations of bullying and aggressive behaviour from different people across different teams. And yes, he wrapped an NDA around a woman and we still don't know what the fuck he did to her. Yes! 15 of his former colleagues had to be offered a route out of the Justice Department like fucking refugees when he was revealed that he was going to come back. <laughs> but, but if you want a foreign or justice secretary who delivers, guys, albeit, you know, delivering in the, um, in the throwing a pret salad across the room at you like your, like your Deliveroo guys just found out his wife is fucking strangers on OnlyFans sort of sense. That sort of delivering if you want a justice or foreign secretary who gets results guys results like you know staying on holiday while afghanistan collapsed into a failed state that kind of result or uh, fucking up the judiciary so bad that barristers went to strike like some some people might ask the question how shit do you have to be to radicalise a bunch of Whig-top Tory barristers into being solidarity-spewing picket-line strikers. How shit do you have to be to achieve that? Some people might ask that question, but not me. To me, these are results, people. That is, is a result. Technically. Technically, these are actually still results. Um... And seeing, you know, Brandon Lewis come in and end the barrister strike within two weeks of starting in that role that had, you know, eluded Rob before. Anyway, look, you get the idea. It's a sad, sad day for British politics when Dominic Raab steps down with his laser guided focus, his ball busting, his getting results.
Cheers. To Dominic Raab, we here on the A. Thompson and Other Disappointments podcast, we salute you. You were an unflinching Brexit secretary, really dedicated, a, a really, you know, a Kool-Aid cretin for that shit, whose commitment to pursuing the myriad Brexit opportunities for Britain, doing trade deals with Narnia, <laughs> threatening to illegally prorogue Parliament so you could ram it all through, you know? And then, and then just standing there with a straight face when Johnson and Mogg tried to sell proroguing back to us as some sort of, you know, normal procedural normality after you had threatened to do it to ram Brexit. Like, not enough people talk about that shit. About how Rob said he wasn't scared to prorogue Parliament to force Brexit through, and then they did prorogue Parliament. But the official line was like, oh, no, this is um, this is just the uh, the fixed term parliament uh, expiring. It's, it's nothing to do with Brexit. Like so much is nothing to do with Brexit. It's like, hey, they've shorted the pound. Yeah, it's, it's completely unrelated. <laughs> They're moving the factories. Yeah, but still, still, though, it's, it's nothing to do with Brexit. They literally just did a press conference saying this is because of Brexit and Brexit is shit. Well, I, I, I don't recognise that assessment. Oh, Dom. Dom, we're going to miss you. Your, your, your compassionate stances on, quote, grey welfare. <laughs> that's, that's pensions, by the way. Tory voters, mostly. And this motherfucker was like, we're, 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 not, uh, we're not scared to appraise and, you know, revisit the subject of uh, grey welfare. Like, fucking wow. That is even more insulting than the Theresa May dementia tax shit on your own crew. Your patriotism, Dom. We're going to miss that too. In calling, you know, half the country bone idle. In labelling Brits lazy. While while you're shutting down Parliament for an unnecessary five week holiday and boogie boarding while the fucking Taliban hold up Olympic scorecards like, yeah, that's a 10. Keep going, Mr. Rob. You're doing so well. Don't go back to work. Your professionalism, Dominic. We, oh, we're going to miss that. You know, in calling the leader of the opposition a wanker at PMQs across the dispatch box. How will politics survive without the drive and determination of this sociopathic jujitsu motherfucker behind him? <laughs> Veins popping out the side of his head like drain pipes running up a three-bed semi. Christ. Do you remember that story that came out? Like, it was one of his PAs or his parliamentary assistants or so yeah, mr mr rob um, i've i've had to reschedule your gym session for tomorrow because it, you actually have a call with the head if you cancel my gym session rita i will bury you in east ham like fucking hell i'm gonna miss him you know i thought he brought a lot to the table i mean look before before guys let's just be real here for a minute i thought maybe before he was maybe like a bit of a bully i thought i'd sort of figured him out and that was what i like categorized him at 
as. And uh, I feel silly now going for such a lazy conclusion. I thought that maybe he he was just a, a bit of a bully, but now now I've actually figured him out, and it's, it's a sort of inspiring story. Really, it will it will tug at your heartstrings. Bear with me, indulge me, guys. Um, before I just thought like he he was a sort of this irrational sociopath, you know, just being mean and rude to people and screaming at his staff and throwing salads at them and you know NDAs because his behaviour and conduct were so hugely damaging if they got out, you know. Before I thought that though, he was just you know irrational and rude and, and so on, and now. I think, judging by his track record, the crushing lack of success, the fuck-ups, I actually think what this was, was the story of a man who looked good in a suit and who spoke the right way. And so he got taken seriously by CCHQ as a parliamentary candidate. But he was still ferociously low caliber, just still proper shit, you know, but he really tried. Guys, he's got some work ethic. He really gave it his best. So the, like, the anger, the abuse of staff, like actually what that was, was him trying really hard. <laughs> like if I tried to fix a fucking T-Rex, T-Rex, a T-Reg Ford Granada, you know, I don't think Ford made a T-Rex, did they? A T-Bird. That's why I'm getting mixed up. If I if I if I tried to fix any Ford, like I know I'm not cut out for that. I don't have the knowledge. I'm not handy. I'm not, you know, so if you threw me into a job where I was, you know, shit at it, and I was forced to try and achieve stuff and deliver stuff by a certain time. So if I was bad at it, like I might end up screaming at everyone. I might join fight clubs. <laughs> And, and beat the shit out of people to let the anger and self-loathing out. I might wrap NDAs around people. <laughs> I might be like, what's the first rule about Fight Club? Just, you know, pull out the gaffer tape. Wrap the NDA gaffer tape around this bitch's mouth. You do not talk about Fight Club, Rita. <laughs> I think all the anger and the rudeness and the bullying complaints... <laughs> And the driving results. All of that is the same as if I tried to fix the lawnmower. You know, I I might be unpleasant to be around. I'd, I'd shout at everyone else like it was their fault. I would. And ultimately, my track record would be abysmal. And I think that's what that's what happened here. So, yeah, anyway, it's... um. It's a sad, sad day for British politics. And I, I am very sad to see him go. He's, you know, so far before his time. So much potential. He had so much more to give, guys. Here's, here's a question for you. Do you think, guys, dear listeners, do you think... Dermot O'Leary will give him a eulogy on this morning, too. <laughs> that's, gonna, that's what's going to happen next. Just this, you know, rose-tinted. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. Everyone loved him, you know. I don't know if anyone, any of you saw that, but Dermot O'Leary of X Factor fame. And uh, what else did he do? Was he? On, I feel like he used to do Big Brother. 
Anyway, like somebody will correct me on that, or you know, if he didn't, I think he did though. Anyway, like Dermot O'Leary stood in on Monday after Schofield, Philip Schofield, had stood down over the weekend from this morning, and the tabloid furore over Schofield has just been all-consuming, but fucking hilarious. You know, the context for it, in case you know you didn't know, like I, I did a big tweet thread about it, I think on Sunday, but. Uh, you can seek that out if you're if you're really bored. But basically, it was like Schofield met this kid when the kid was ten. Okay, only ten years old at theatre school, and then at some point, they may de- definitely did do, but <laughs> but but they might have, but pr- probably did do. <laughs> they may have started shagging. Like I'm looking over at my you know solicitor here. So just be fucking careful, Ed, all right? Allegedly, maybe they might have started shagging at some point. And this was when Philip Schofield was still married, by the way, to a woman. It's before he fully came out. And so, like, what it sounds like what happened, like, I kind of broke this out into two parts on the tweet thread, but it's like, on the one hand, right, on the first bit, let's do the shame and the lies and all of that first, right? On the one hand, you've got this wholesome ITV mid-morning presenter, you know, inoffensive, publicly married, privately gay, in his late 50s. And he's secretly bringing back 18-year-old runners to his Southwark flat and just really enjoying himself with them, you know, like really, really going to town on them in there. And good for him. Good for you, Scope. You know, not judging. I'm I'm never going to say anything critical for anyone, any listeners, Philip Schofield, whoever, for how you get off, all right? Or indeed the kid, you know, the 18-year-old, you know, if he's over the age of consent, fine. If you're into older, married TV presenters, you know, with a grey-haired chest and wrinkly, dangly balls just plowing into you, you know, when you're still a teenager and you're discovering yourself and... You know, I understand that. Good for you. Go out there, experiment. And and conversely, you know, let's not judge people on what they may or may not be into in the bedroom. If it, As long as it's legal, as long as it's consensual, you're both adults and all that. Like, if you're a late 50s guy and, you know, maybe you're finally coming to terms with who you are. Maybe sexuality has always been a confusing thing for you. You know, now... A little later in life, in your autumn years, maybe you're finally accepting who you are, like where you fit in. And if that's you, amazing. Good, good for you, man. But if you're a TV presenter, right, and your colleague or employee or, you know, subordinate is 18 and you use that power dynamic... Or that, you know, that influence as a as a means to to ragging them senseless like that. That is a problem, you know, in 21st century Britain. I mean, like, I'm not saying I'm being a moral judge on it. I'm not like, you know, I'm 42. And if I were a single man and, you know, let's say this podcast went massive. Let's really live in the realms of fantasy here. Let's say the pod goes huge. Right. And there's big budgets and there's a nice studio. And then, you know, maybe we can afford to bring in some some totally unpaid interns. Like if if only we could afford unpaid interns. right? But, but let's say let's say I'm 42. I'm single. And then some 20 year old 
you know, I mean, like eight, 18 feels young, I think. But let's say, you know, some 20 year old petite brunette woman with tattoos and a dyed red streak in her hair, hair and like maybe a few piercings or something. I mean, I mean, we really are drifting into my fantasy here, but let's stay on point. Uh, 20 years old and she, let's say she's looking up to me, you know, and she's volunteering to stay late to spend more time with me. And then we have a few drinks and one thing leads to another. Like you can see how it happens, right? The ego of a man. I've attracted this beautiful young. Well, I must really have something going for, you know, the power dynamic, though, and them looking up to you. But here's the thing. Like, so I'm not making a moral judgment. I'm just saying in 2023 or 2019, I think is when this all really kicked off. Even if the kid was 20 or 24, you know, and it's slightly less problematic. It's just, you know, it's like you're setting yourself up for trouble, you know, in work with the age difference. Isn't it in the power dynamic? Because here's the problem. Sooner or later, that relationship is going to go bad. It just fucking it. Like every relationship. Every relationship goes. Yes, even yours. Listener who is right now thinking, well, not mine. No, even yours will get shitter also. I'm sorry to break that to you <laughs> or for you. <laughs> Didn't you read the title of the show? You idiot. It's disappointments. It's taking you down a few notches. But when when that relationship goes bad, if it's in a work environment, if it's some sort of, you know, comic book, 57 year old chasing after people, 30 years, their junior, when it goes bad, you're going to have the same issues that every 55 year old director has or had when he's bored of fucking his secretary. You know, it's a tale as old as time. I'm not saying it's OK. It's gross, obviously, especially if the person is married as well. I'm just saying. This is how it is, and it's and this is how it has always been. And this is, you know, sort of... I'm getting on to the second part a little bit of he- ahead of time here, you know? I want to stay on the first part just for, just for a little minute. Like, on, on the one hand, you have Scofe, right? Late 50s, banging teenagers. We assume behind his wife's back. But who knows? You know, maybe she didn't know about it. Maybe, maybe she's just looter understanding. Maybe she's just a really good wife. (laughs) In sickness and in health, Phil. You know, like she married him when he was kind of (laughs) normal. But gradually he's devolved into this horny, rabid, teen fucking, plain sight. (laughs) Maybe she's just a really good wife. Maybe she's like, well, we all have our hobbies. I like my knitting and my book club on a Tuesday. And you, you like to plow these boys into the floorboards of the investment flat. Philip, I get it. You know, we, we both have our hobby. Like maybe she's just a good wife. Is all I'm saying. But anyway, there's this, you know, the fact that he's this wholesome mid-morning presenter, but he's bringing back literal teenagers to his Southwark flat. Like he's late 50s. And this lad is, you know, like we still don't know how old the kid was when they started doing, you know, <laughs> whatever the fuck it was they were doing. Like, even if it is legal, this is the thing. Like, it's still gross enough his age, the lad's age. It's still weird enough that it's not conducive with his position as an ITV 10 a.m. presenter. Right. You still with me? Okay. 
like, I don't know, yeah, Friday night, 11 p.m. on Channel 4? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But not ITV weekday mornings, man. Come on, Phil. You know? Like, the producers should have pulled him aside a couple of years ago. The producers should have just, you know, somebody should have tapped him on the shoulder and been like, yeah, look, uh, are you going to stop bringing these boys back to your flat, Phil? No, 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 it's it's legal. It's my it's my personal life. So it's uh, nobody else's business. Right, right. It's, I mean, it's just that, you know, you're, you're quite sort of beige. You're quite, you know, family friend. Like you're doing you're doing segments on which is this year's most hilarious lawn feed, you know? I, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. You, you're a daytime ITV caricature, Phil. You, you're telling retirees which other ITV shows to watch. Like you, you couldn't get more PG rated if they animated you, Schofield. Uh, uh, right. Unemployed people fall asleep to you. Yeah, uh, OK, I think I think I get your point. Nursing home cadavers riddled with Alzheimer's are still capable of following your monologues, Philip. All right, yeah, enough. I, I'm boring. I'm beige. I'm too wholesome. Well, no, no, not not necessarily. I mean, look, you can be raucous in your private life, in your personal life. You can be. You can be in your 50s and fuck people 30 years younger than you. Of course you can. Look at Leonardo DiCaprio. All right, okay, so, so there's no problem. But DiCaprio does 18 rated movies with Jack Nicholson and Tarantino. You don't do that. So you can either stop fucking the 18-year-olds behind your wife's back. Right, oh. Or what, what's the second option? Or pivot, motherfucker. <laughs> Take a job at Channel 4. You know, late night Channel 4 shit. Get your dick out. Nobody cares then. Then it's, it's rock star shit. It's Big Brother's Little Brother. It's punk rock. It's that type of stuff. You know, or even Love Island. Like, nobody's cancelling Caroline Flack for banging 18-year-old Harry Styles, are they? And guys, listeners, you have to remember, this is before Flack sort of, you know, cancelled herself. <laughs> nobody's up nobody's up in arms about that are they no because because flax a fucking watershed bombshell isn't she she's raucous as fuck so those are your options phil stop fucking the kids and remain on the sofa or move to a show that's more you know aligned with your personal brand shall we say oh, okay i mean uh, i think i'm gonna stay right okay okay fine i tried i tried we tried guys we tried maybe you get lucky phil Maybe, maybe the hugely not fickle and very understanding audiences of ITV will have matured a bit since they completely fucked off Barrymore and your predecessor, by the way, John Leslie. I'm sure if this comes out, everything will be fine. Sure, you know, roll the dice again, Scope. See what happens. Well, yeah, I, I, I actually think it'll be okay. You know, it's my personal life. It's nobody else's business. So, okay, just, just please tell me there's not a pool at this flat. No, no, there, there, there's no... Oh, thank God, that is something. Like, do, you, do you remember that shit? There's been so much scandal, man, at ITV with these light entertainment presenters. Like, what, what the fuck do they do at these talent academies to end up with these horny motherfuckers hosting light entertainment shows? Just do everyone a favour. Just funnel them out to host a new, you know, The Word... Or something, and give this stuff back to Eamon. Or Dermot, you know? Because that's the thing, man. Like, that, with, with, you know, with the first part of what we're talking about, I said, you know, I split this tweet thread into to two parts, and this is just the first part. We'll get onto the second in a minute. Just bear with me. 
But it's not a moral judgment, as long as what he did with this young gentleman was legal. And nobody's suggesting that it was illegal at this stage. As long as you're not hurting anyone, as long as you're over the age of consent and whatever, you do you. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself. But it is just not conducive with being a mid-morning ITV magazine show. Right? That's it. That's it for me. Now, the second part, the other part of this. Just just park the ITV, you know, the brand part, the salacious, titillating elements of this, the wholesome, cheaty marriage, problematic stuff. Park that over here for a second and meet me over here in this new bit, right? This other part of it, because the other take on this is kind of like, like, this is what happens when you shit where you eat, Phil. <laughs> you fucking idiot. I mean, like, the bare bones of this. The bet, like the nuts and bolts of this appear to be like from the loose amount of research that I did on it. You know, like, this isn't fucking Channel 4 dispatches. All right. This isn't panorama. So it's not going to be full, full facted. All right. But, you know, the blogs and the articles and the stuff that I've watched about it, like suggest that this is the case. Right. The nuts and bolts is that they met when the lad was 10. And, you know, they don't think anything happened then. But then they followed each other on Twitter when he had just turned 15. Right. And then they were, you know, allegedly, uh, probably, <laughs> but reportedly, but almost certainly, <laughs> but, but allegedly, let's do it alleged, banging when he was when this kid was like 18 or 19. Because, you know, there's 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 documented stuff that, you know, they're hanging out, they're tweeting each other. There's a picture of him taking the lad out for food and they're referencing how they drank tequila together and it all got a bit rude or, you know. He's only a runner at this stage. He's 18 years old, but he's invited on stage to help Schofield and Holly accept the NTA award. And then, you know, and then a year later, the relationship has soured, according to these sources and stuff. And, you know, as these things always do, like I was saying earlier, you know, these, these relationships always start to sour. And then Phil is stuck in this awkward spot, right? Because just like a director shagging his PA, right, or or a married rock star who's having an affair with his tour manager's junior assistant or so, you know, at some point it ends. At some point, you're going to have this awkward thing of like, you know, I don't want to see her anymore. But like, is she going to get weird and jealous if she sees me talking to someone else, you know, it's like that sort of thing. Like, if I cool things off with this person, are they going to feel aggrieved and humiliated and try to get me back somehow or like go blabbing to, you know, and I'm not saying it's OK. It's not like I'd like to think if I was a single guy, if I or if I'd been Philip Schofield in that situation, you know, if I was a single guy and I, I fancied someone at work and things developed and then it cooled off, you know, like, first off, if I was a dumper, for want of a better word, you know, I know that's a bit full on. But if I if I was the dumper, I'd like to think I'd be a little bit sensitive about it. You know, I would say, like, you know, look, I, I just have a lot on right now. Or, you know, I don't think this is going to work or, you know, and then set the guardrails for space between us. You know, that's how you try. You've got to be sensitive about these things. And equally, if I got dumped myself, if I'm the dumpy, 
I'd like to think I'd have the dignity to be like, well, I don't want people thinking I'm some, you know, aggrieved fatal attraction victim, you know, hung up on this person, following them around like a lost puppy. Like, fuck that. You know, and, and so you, me, you know, whoever's listening to this, we would all like to think that we would be like that. But people generally aren't like that, especially when they're young, when they've yet to learn these hard lessons or go through something like that, especially when it's something primal and carnal, like being sexually rejected. You know, if you're rejected sexually, there's stuff that happens under the hood. There's, there's little mechanisms and primal reflexes that start kicking in. Where, you know, I'm not saying you consciously think this, but I think subconsciously, this is how your brain goes. It's like, this person has rejected me as a suitor. You know, this person has rejected the idea that I am a suitable person with which to sire his young or to spawn his baby, you know? It's like that sort of thing. This is a direct threat to how others now will perceive me in our tribe as a, you know, prospective partner. So therefore, I must discredit this person. So his or her opinion is not held high. And then I might still be viewed as a potential birthing partner. That's where this sort of destructive, toxic reaction to being dumped or, you know, workplace romances that expire and go bad. That's where it all comes from. It's humi humiliation. You know, it's primal. It's basic as fuck, I know. But it is, it's there in all of us. Male or female, gay, straight, whatever. Nobody likes feeling dumped or rejected like that. And if you're not emotionally mature enough to handle those sunset stages of a relationship to, to recognize the triggers for your insane behavior <laughs> you will probably just succumb to it you know just like everybody else across the world across every culture throughout every fucking civilization from now back to the pyramids and so really like from you know criticizing Schofield from that perspective really this is an exercise in what I like to call the sacred rule of don't poke payroll <laughs> don't shit where you eat Phil you fucking idiot and don't fuck teenagers how about that like when you're younger man when you're younger and you go out with like a slightly younger girl you know, or, or guy, I guess, you know, and they're at that age, like, like they're 17 or 18 sort of age. You know, that is a volatile fucking age. Like, we all know this. Like, I remember, I remember when I was like 17 or 18 and, um, and my mate had this friend, Geraldine, and she was about 17. And, um, and this guy that we sort of loosely knew, like he was about 23, 24, this guy had fucked her a few times and then backed off, right? And then she fucking turned up outside his house, the family house, because he wasn't that old that he'd moved out, turned up outside his family home at one in the morning, screaming at his bedroom window, took off her shoe and lobbed it at the window, you know, just vitriol, just insane behavior, screaming at this family house, you fucking piece of shit, Pete, you can't just fuck me and fuck me off like this, 
throwing these heels at the sash windows. You know, his mum's probably waking up the little hair thing on and a nighty. Like, what? What did you do to her, Pete? <laughs> he's like, oh, I don't know. She's just a, just a psycho. Uh, randomly a psycho. <laughs> like... Like, we've all either been through these stories ourselves, right? Or we've heard about them, haven't we? Like, either we've dated someone who was 17 when we were maybe 18 or 19, and we've experienced the insanity, the immaturity, or one of our, fr our friends have gone through it. And then we're like, whoa, <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, what is it about having sex that drives people insane? It's like... I mean, fortunately, it is a sliding scale. You know, the older you get, the less insane it makes you. Like, if you literally fucked a child, like, <laughs> it's just, it just occurring to me now, like, so, some people will have, like, followed me on Twitter and they'll be like, I thought this guy was, like, into politics and fucking, you know, a bit of satire and a, maybe a little bit near the knuckle here and there. What the fuck is this? I'm just saying, there is a sliding scale of sex insanity correlation i'm just saying like you know if you literally fucked a kid you know pedophile nonceberger style odds on that kid is going to have severe mental health problems throughout childhood into adulthood maybe for the rest of their life probably so and then as they get a little bit older you know if you groomed a teenager you know a 13 or 14 year old something like that like a sort of michael jackson or r kelly kind of situation they're gonna have these feelings of you know they're still gonna go crazy they're gonna have these feelings of like feeling dirty or guilt for not having put up a fight or having weirdly agreed to it you know like is it my fault and they're gonna have to deal with that stuff that's a, a slightly diluted kind of insanity not as bad as had it happened 10 years earlier but it's still sending them down a tricky mental health path then get a little bit older and you dilute it again a little bit if you consensually fuck an 18 year old the insanity's still there it is but it's diluted ever so slightly again now it's just down to them going nuts outside your mum's house at one in the morning when you didn't call them back but a couple of weeks later you'll be fine a couple of weeks after that you got it out of your system you're back in the game you're back down Wetherspoons. the little black dress is back out again <laughs> like she's fine it's short-term mental illness then Until finally, you know, hopefully, you're both old enough and mature enough that, you know, having sex with each other doesn't cause any insanity. <laughs> is, is the goal. Any mental health problems. Um, unless you're my girlfriend, of course, in which case there's probably still some layers of shame and depression to it. But, you know, f fine. You get my point. Wait, hang on. No, what was my point again? Where was I? Oh, yeah, right. Don't shit where you eat. <laughs> Don't poke, poke payroll. And, like, you know. Even if it, like, if you are able to step back from the gross nature of a 57-year-old guy emptying his balls into an 18 or 19-year-old very boyish-looking lad. I mean, look, we should say that is legal, Okay. It strikes me as problematic, sure, and it raises eyebrows or whatever. But, you know, the lad is a consenting adult at that stage, right? And that is important to remember. Because we haven't seen anything to suggest that anything illegal happened before. You know, he's, he's above the age of consent. 
So he's fine legally. But even if you're able to ignore the huge age difference, right? The thing that you can't ignore is that having having sex with emotionally immature people, like literally teenagers, in a work environment is so fucking dumb. Like, oh, oh, here's, here's a kid who almost certainly couldn't have learned to hold his liquor yet, still learning to process what we call, you know, big feelings. And I'll, I'll just treat him like a fuck doll for a few months. And then, and then I'll bizarrely cut him adrift. I'll have him kicked out to a different show entirely, away from all of his friends and colleagues that he's made on this show. And, you know, then I'll have him removed from the VIP room at next year's NTA awards. I'm sure, though, that won't come back to bite me. I'm positive with this emotionally underdeveloped, irrational teenager. Like, it's so fucking stupid. I honestly think I'm more offended by the stupidity than the age difference, you know? Because <laughs> it's like, if you're 57 and he's 18, like, to me, it's growth. But if you're both consenting, fine. But I'm just saying, he's still young and it's going to go bad. We know this. So, like... How can you not think that an emotionally underdeveloped thing that's going to go bad in a work environment isn't going to come back to bite you in the ass? Most of us learn this by, like, age 25. Like, yeah, stick clear with that. There's too much drama. <laughs> Phil was fucking 57. And he's still like, oh, I don't know why he's being so crazy. <laughs> And that's the other part of this, you know, like the second part that it took me so long to get through. Like, it's like, you know, it's just he's a young lad and he gets fucked and fucked off, you know, and they cut him adrift and they move into a different show. They fuck him over and he, then he finds his way backstage to the This Morning VIP room. This is what happened. And then Philip Schofield has him removed <laughs> like he's some annoying groupie, you know, like he's the... Like he's the 18-year-old checkout tar that the supermarket manager has got bored of fucking in the cash office, you know? And now he doesn't want her hanging around anymore. He doesn't, you know, don't, don't invite her. Don't invite her out to the staff meal thing. No, does she have to come to the Christmas party? No, I just you know, I don't want her pining around, walking after me, you know, like a lost puppy. It's that kind of vibe. It's the same energy. So he has him removed from the VIP room at the NTAs. And then there's this photo of the lad's outside the venue, rearing up at Holly Willoughby, outside the NTAs, after he's just been removed, ostensibly by Philip Schofield, reportedly. And so then he's aggrieved. Then he's this 18-year-old, not emotionally developed kid who probably hasn't got any alcohol tolerance, you know? And he's aggrieved. And so then apparently this is when he starts shopping his story to the Sunday papers. You know, like Philip Schofield says that he's married, but actually he's gay and he's been ragging me in his private little flat for fucking months. And I might even tell you when that started. Like this is a problem for Schofield. And coincidentally, that is when Scof suddenly decides to come out. In that emotional brave interview in which he said it's totally of my own volition guys this i'm not being forced i'm not being blackmailed i'm not being no i just just now is the time you know i just um it's not an easy decision for me but i just want to be who i am you know that whole thing was coincidentally just after this kid is shopping his story around the sunday papers like that lad shouting outside the ntas 
uh, Holly Willoughby. That is Geraldine throwing a shoe at your mum's house. <laughs> that is what happens when you fuck teenagers, Phil. And most of us learn it, either, you know, directly or through our friends or by proxy. There's just, a, you know, a, I want a quiet life uptick to dating someone your own age. You know, there's benefits to having sex with someone that doesn't need their dad as a rent guarantor. And yeah, most of us learn that lesson by 24 or 28. And Schofield's just fucking witlessly wandering in to his flat. With this 18-year-old, sure, this won't turn out bad. And this is, like, against the backdrop of the, you know, the Me Too stuff and Schofield's list. Do you remember that shit and everything about power dynamics that we know? So anyway, just to bring this back full circle, guys. Rob is bravely stepping down. Because his, you know, flimsy majority... Is about to see him ejected from his seat. Philip Schofield has bravely stepped down because he, um, well, officially, officially, is because he cares so much about the show that he just, you know, the show became the story and he didn't think it was fair on everyone else. That's, I mean, you know. Although he spent all last week fighting with lawyers, desperately trying to hang on in there. So draw your own conclusions, really, on what's happened. But yeah, so Rob is bravely stepping down. Schofield has bravely stepped down. Suella Braverman is refusing to step down, at least at time of recording. And her speeding ticket has become the latest battle line in the culture war now now speeding tickets are purity tests according to the daily express asking civil servants to help you avoid personal embarrassment is not that's not a breach of the ministerial code anymore that is just the blob trying to oust another cabinet minister now after rob apparently i mean does it ever does it ever fucking occur to these twats right that if someone like suella braverman doesn't want to be ousted in this way by the civil service blob if this is the blob trying to oust her maybe she should just stop contacting them <laughs> like, like she picks up the phone asks them to do something highly questionable for her for her own benefit next minute it's like oh god that was the blob trying to oust me again but you phoned them suella oh sh shut up it's all a conspiracy anyway that is the state of this god-awful country as of time of recording this is this is how mentally unwell brexit britain has become dear listeners like even even shit daytime tv has collapsed into tabloid chaos even replacement faces like derma o'leary you know inoffensive beige as fuck just you know and he must know the background to all of this the sordid details the stats, the meeting points, the ages. He must know all of it. But let's avoid all of that, all of the specifics. Let's just say what a what a lovely guy, what a broadcasting legend Philip Schofield was. You know, just avoid the specifics. Don't talk about the stats or the ages. Or, like, it's exactly how, like, Brexiters ignore stats and specifics. So, like, even daytime TV is now a Brexity culture war war zone 
if you wanted a read on how unstable and psychopathic Britain is in 2023. Maybe Britain is the immature teen, in fact. How about that? Maybe Britain's the immature teen fucked to oblivion <laughs> and now re rejected by our peers. Maybe Britain is the rabid teen throwing our shoes at your windows. I don't know. Guys, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening to this one. Uh, be sure to jump on the Patreon for episodes two days ahead of everyone else. Uh, you also get access to the Discord instant messaging chat. Uh, I'm in there every day. Uh, you get first look at the live shows, like the one I did with Danny fucking Price. That was back in February. But we also do like in-person meetups. So I meet up my with my Patreon backers uh, in London. We've done a couple of them in Brick Lane. Uh, sometimes tequila fueled, you know, not always, but uh, but sometimes tequila gets gets rolled out. Um, I've got something else cooking also for Thursday, the 28th of September. What is it? Who knows? Who knows? The Patreon backers know. Uh, but it's going to be good. It's going to be big. It's going to be lots of fun. It's on Thursday, the 28th of September, and I can't say any more about it. But if you do want the heads up on what it is, if you want to get first look at the tickets for it, because they will go out to Patreons first, and then I promise you it will sell out. So if you want to get like sort of priority on it or whatever, jump onto patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson. Uh, that's it from me. I'll be back on Friday night with a guest. Until next time, take care of yourselves. We outie. Yo, yo, yo. This episode was powered by my Patreon backers over at patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson. Special shout outs to Bowman, Chris, David, Mojo Sabian, Pingu, T-Rex in a top hat, Aaron, Alex, and Kai. Some of these names might not actually be the real names. Uh, Jeff, Peter, Sarah, Silent, and Ailsa. And then Anthony, Eddie, Fat Shirley, Mal, Rodri, Stuart, and Kerry. Thank you so, so much for continuing your support of the podcast. And I'm looking forward to catching up with each of you at the next London meet or the next gig. I don't know. Big doff of the cap to all of you. You give my funny boner funny boner. Cheers.